0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: The glory of the Lord will fill the earth. Now, the reason I pointed that out is because he says it again, a little bit further down into the chapter. Notice verse 22, he said, "...because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness... And have tempted me now these ten times. The ten times is reference to the ten spies that spoke against the Lord and against his word. Because all those men which have seen my miracles and my glory, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened unto my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Now stop and think about this again, folks. They've all, all 12 of the spies have witnessed exactly the same things in Egypt. They saw the 10 plagues. They saw the waters divide when Moses stretched out his hand across the waters. They saw the miracles that God did when Moses struck the rock and water came out. They've seen the miracles that were done in the early part of the wilderness journey, where God purified poisonous waters and identified himself as the Lord that healeth thee. They've all seen the same things. What does that mean? God's problem with this these ten is that they have not hearkened unto him. In other words, they didn't believe him. Caleb and Joshua did believe that because God said the land is yours, we can take it. So it's not seeing miracles that gives you faith. If it was, they would have believed. See, so many times people take the position, if I could just see a miracle, then I'd know. Well, you know what would happen if those people see a miracle? They'd have to see another one to wonder if the first one was real. <laughs> because if you're not willing to believe God without seeing a miracle, you will never believe if you, even though you see one. God's word is not true because God did miracles. God's word is true because it's God's word. And that is the point. And so, folks, no matter what the situation is, when it comes to tithing, when it comes to giving, when it comes to believing for healing or peace or prosperity or or family members coming back to the Lord, it's all the same thing. And that is you have to make a determination that God's word is true, period, No matter what example somebody wants to give you of them trying it and it not working. God's word is true because it's God's word. So he says, these 10 aren't going to see the land. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. I love that. Literally, that means he was of another spirit. He wasn't of the spirit of doubt and unbelief. He was of the spirit of faith. Paul said we have that same spirit of faith that Jesus had, which would have to be this too. We believe and therefore we speak. The spirit of faith recognizes the importance of words. Words that people are saved by. Words that people are filled by the Holy Ghost by. Words that people are healed by. Words that people are provided for by. Words govern your lives. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him or in him, And hath followed me fully; him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Folks, I want you to understand something. Up until this point in time, we don't know anything about Caleb, except that he spoke up and said, "God said it was ours, so we can do it." That's all we know about the guy. And God calls that following him fully. Let's finish reading the story. Verse twenty-five. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the in the valley. Tomorrow, turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Now the congregation lifted up their voice and cried based on the testimony and the report of the ten. So the congregation is just as much in unbelief as the ten were. How long shall I bear with this evil generation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Now I want you to look at that word murmur. The word murmur literally means to complain. We understand that. We would figure that out on our own. But the root word that it comes from literally means to stop. So what, we know what, means, what go means for Caleb and Joshua. Their faith, their willingness to accept what God said no matter what the enemy looks like. No matter how big the walls are around the city of Jericho. But because God's word says the land is ours, we're willing to take it. God can defeat these people who aren't even as strong as the Egyptian army that he's already defeated on our behalf. So that's faith. And faith is the equivalent of go. But murmuring, doubt and unbelief, complaining means to stop any and every good thing God has for you. So now God says to Moses, say unto them, verse 28, say unto them, here's this phrase again, as truly as I live, as truly as I live. Now, the first time he said as truly as I live, what verse was that, Um, 21? The first time he said as truly as I live, he said the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Anybody have any doubts about God bringing that to pass? He's swearing by himself. He's saying this is the way it's going to be. Like it or not, this is the way it's going to be. The earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Now he says, this is how it's going to be too. Here's a principle that's just as eternal, just as unchanging. as what he said before. Say unto them, as truly as I live. That means this is a principle for all time. It means it's a principle for every person. Say unto them, as truly as I live. Sayeth the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. Folks, I want you to realize what that means. That means God's listening to what you have to say. It's not a matter of us just saying, well, we believe the word because God said it and God's going to make it come to pass no matter what. So we just want to hook up with him. You decide whether or not it works. You decide whether his blessings become yours. You decide through the words you speak. And he's listening for your words. He's not moving without hearing you talk. He doesn't even make his word come to pass until you say it's true. Now, it's just as true, the word's just as true for Caleb and Joshua as it was for the 10 who wind up dying the next day. Again, All 12 saw the same thing. All 12 were tempted to believe they couldn't do it. 10 of them went one way with their words. Two of them said, we can do it because God said so. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so shall I do unto you. Folks, I'm delighted to tell you that every good thing I have in my life is because of what I've said. And that's true for you too. Well, Pastor Mike, my life doesn't look so great. I have a suggestion. (laughs) Change what you're saying. Because what you have, whether you consider it to be good or not so good, is a result of what you've said. And God says, this is Old Testament stuff. Now, this is not some new idea. This isn't concocted by some charismatic preacher. The principle has always been, you're governed by your words. From Genesis 1, when he made Adam and Eve after his likeness and after his kind. From that point forward and throughout all of eternity, your words matter well we know what that means for the ones who went against him their carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun but your little ones which you said should be a prey remember that's part of what they said Why would God bring us out to this wilderness to be defeated and our children to to die? Those that you called your that would be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. The words that God uses for body basically means meat sack. Carcasses. You don't consider a carcass to be a living thing. God's already counted them as dead because of what they said. Not because of his will. We know what his will was. He's identified his will when he told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Tell the people I'm taking you to the promised land. That's the will of God. These people have aborted the will of God. And it's not because they didn't know. They did know. They knew exactly what they were doing when they spoke against God. They knew exactly what they were doing. So really what God's telling Moses to do is remind them that their words count and since they spoke against me and talked about dying in the wilderness, bingo. It's exactly the way it'll be. Skip down with me to verse 39. And Moses told these things unto all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. What are they crying about? They brought it on themselves. Now it's human nature to want to blame somebody else for what we do and how we mess up. I get that. But there's no surprise here. Moses just says to the children of Israel, well, okay. God says you can have it your way. You said you'd rather die in the wilderness than take the promised land. So here we go. But notice what they did. Verse 40, and they rose up early in the morning and got them up under the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here. We will go up unto the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. In other words, when they hear what's really going to happen as a result of their unbelief, they said, we'll go fight. No, really, just have a do-over. let just, just act like yesterday didn't matter. Let's just act like it never happened. We're ready to go. But Moses says, wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? Go not up, for the Lord is not among you that you be not smitten before your enemies. Verse 44, But they presumed to go up anyway unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwell in that hill and smote them and discomfited them, even into Hormah. Now I want you to notice something about this, folks. When they hear from Moses the words that God commanded him to say to the people which were something along the lines of okay well God heard what you said about dying in the wilderness and your children being a prey and all that other kind of stuff God heard you and he says he's going to do exactly what you said then all of a sudden the people say wait a minute maybe that's not such a good idea after all let's go take them let's go against the enemy and Moses clearly says don't do it God's not with you You're only doing it because of what I told you the the consequences of your actions, of your words would be. Faith doesn't work like that. And there's something else that you need to be aware of, folks. And that is, and it doesn't work this way in every case. It doesn't work this way in every area. But there are windows of opportunity that God gives us. There are windows of opportunity that God provides for us. And in those windows of opportunity... If we're willing to take the Word of God, to take the promises of God and move forward no matter what it looks like to us, no matter how big the enemy looks, no matter how impossible the situation appears to be, whatever. If we're willing at that point when the opportunity is there to step through and stand on God's Word, God will do spectacular things for, our, for us and on our behalf.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you you are free from the influence of sickness and disease.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: If God could always be figured out, If God was always the same and operated the same way in every situation, then he would cease to be God. Because the very nature of God and his omnipotence and his omniscience means that we'll never have the brains, the ability to figure out everything. Even 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Holy Ghost, operate according to diversities. There are different ways the Holy Ghost will operate. There are different ways the Holy Ghost will manifest himself. Let me give you a couple of quick examples and I hope you see it. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He goes in the back part of the ship and lays down and goes to sleep. Well, halfway across the, the sea, a great storm of wind comes up. The waves get high and start splashing over into the ship. The disciples are trying to bail water as fast as they can. It doesn't look like it's working. looks like they're going to go under. So one of them goes back and wakes Jesus up and says, Master, you better wake up. We're about to perish. Well, you always want to be awake for when you're about to be destroyed. Just (laughs) principle of life. Remember what Jesus did. Jesus stood up in the front part of the ship, rebuked the wind, and the storm ceased. He turns to his disciples and says, why have you no faith? Which indicates to me, I don't see any other way to interpret this. That indicates to me that we have the authority. They had the authority to rebuke the wind and the waves too. And the the basis for that authority is Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go halfway out here and drown. So the fact that the will of God has been expressed through Jesus' words and actions who always did the will of the Father by saying, let us go on to the other side. They had the authority. They had a foundation to make it safely. But do you remember in Acts chapter 27 when Paul's journey to Rome involved a storm? Why didn't Paul rebuke the storm? He didn't have it on his own to do. Somebody as sensitive to the Holy Ghost as Paul was who looked for the leading of the Spirit of God into what sounds or cities he went in to preach, would certainly have been open to the direction of the Lord or the prompting of the Holy Ghost to rebuke the storm. But that's not the way that storm worked. That storm went on for over two weeks, probably closer to three. And Paul finally, after two weeks into the storm, Paul finally stood up and said, well, you know, you guys should listen to me when I told you not to depart it was too late to sail he said but don't worry we'll all be saved because the angel of the lord stood by me this night and told me that we'd make it through Well, why didn't the angel tell him to rebuke the storm like jesus did doesn't always work that way acts chapter 16 talks about paul being in the city of philippi he speaks words of deliverance to the little fortune teller girl in the marketplace. Cast the spirit out of her. Apparently this was something the Holy Ghost prompted him to do. It tells us that Paul was grieved in the spirit and then took action. I see that as a prompting of the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says she did that many days. If Paul's operating under his own authority, why didn't he do it on day 1? Why did he let many days go by? Now, I don't know how many, many is, but I would guess it's more than a few, wouldn't you? But there came a point where Paul was grieved in his spirit about this thing, so he spoke to the evil spirit that was in possessing this little girl, and he cast it out. Well, when the masters of the little slave girl found out their opportunity for money through fortune telling was gone, they started a riot brought Paul before the magistrate of the city. Didn't accuse him of anything according to what really happened. He said, these men being Jews, teach customs that are not lawful for us Romans to adhere to. So he stirred up a riot. They stirred up a riot. The magistrates had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into the inner prison. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that everybody's prison doors opened, everybody's bands fell off their hands and their feet, and Paul was delivered. But Paul was in jail a bunch of other times. This is the only time where that type of deliverance occurred. Now you tell me, assuming that was the first time Paul was in prison in Philippi, or as the Greeks say Philippi, If that was the first time Paul was in prison and that's the way God delivered him, what do you think happened the next time they got thrown in prison? What would you have done? I would have said, hey, we know how this prison stuff works. Let's sing hymn number 102. (laughs) But we have no record of Paul being delivered from prison in the same way in any other case. Some storms can be rebuked. Others have to be ridden through some jails can be opened some jails have to be gone through things don't always work the same ways there are some things that come easily some things that come quickly some things have to be walked through I don't know why but I know that for the people that are walking through those things it's real easy to lose objectivity it's real easy to come to the place where you're saying now Lord I know I'm doing right. I know I'm believing the word. I'm walking in peace and I'm not anxious about anything. I'm doing everything that your word says makes faith work. How come it's taking so long? You can get to the place where you're blaming God for the results and that's a step into deception. I'm sure Paul, certainly knowing The story of Jesus rebuking the wind and the storm ceasing. I'm sure Paul would have a lot rathered walk up to the front of the ship and say, Peace be still. Storm cease. And everybody that looked on would say, Wow, what a display of God's power. But it was the same and an equal display of God's power to preserve everybody through the storm. Do you hear what I'm saying? Here's a story we referred to about Paul in jail, Paul and Silas in jail in Philippi. Their backs are bleeding. Their hands and their feet are in stocks and chains. Verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You see that? Verse 26 is what I want you to see. Here's the thing that the Lord's dealing with me about. It says, And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Now what did Paul and Silas do? They prayed and sang praises. Would singing praises qualify as speaking words? Well, what do you think they're singing praises about? Maybe we ought to back up and ask the previous question first. And that is, What were they praying about? What would you be praying about? I'd be praying about getting out of prison. Now remember the reason that they're there. The reason that they're there is because Paul is forbidden by the Holy Ghost to go into Asia. Then the Holy Ghost suffers him not to go into Bithynia. And so they go to bed overnight, and Paul has a vision in the night or a dream or something along that line where he sees a man from uh, from Macedonia, which Philippi was the chief city of Macedonia, the region called Macedonia. He has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. So he shares the vision with the group, Silas included, the next morning. And they assuredly gathered, the scripture says, that God wanted them to go into Macedonia. We don't know that Paul ever found that guy in the vision. He goes to Philippi and he finds a a woman who gives her heart to the Lord. So they're there supernaturally. They're there because they've been led by the Holy Ghost in a supernatural manner. I'm pretty sure they were aware that God did not bring them to Philippi for them to spend all their time in jail. I equally am convinced that there were some marvelous opportunities on the part of both Paul and Silas to wonder if that vision had been real. It'd be easy to conclude or it'd be easy to get in the line of reasoning that if this vision had really been right, we would not have run into this trouble and been imprisoned, much less beaten and so forth. Had they lost their objectivity based on that line of reasoning, they could have been led in deception just like anybody else. But the indication to me from what the Scripture says is that they knew they were where God wanted them to be. They've gotten people saved. They got this little girl delivered. And so they're praying. They may even be praying, Lord, what's the next step? And whatever it is, we sure can't do it from inside this jail. And then when they began to sing praises, that's an indication to me that they believed something was already done as far as God was concerned. That's an indication to me that they're thanking God for the end of their captivity so that they can reach the people God wanted to reach. And it brought about sudden results. I've got a witness from the Holy Ghost that we're entering into a time of suddenlies. And let me make one other point about something I said earlier. What makes the difference in somebody that takes the window of opportunity and steps through by faith into the window of opportunity and those that miss it? Let me ask it this way. What makes the difference between recognizing that the opportunity is God and failing to recognize it? That's really the issue. Who's not going to take an opportunity that they know is God? I would suggest that those people are few and far between. But what, in my experience, is the majority of the cases that I know of. People aren't walking close enough to God to know that it's him. So what does that mean? That means we need to be prepared ahead of time a sudden opportunity to arise it's prior preparation that causes us to be ready for those windows of opportunity and suddenly there was a great earthquake let's pray God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: And made righteous by the blood of Jesus. You're able to get through because the Word of God never fails.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word